welcome back to Swiping Sunday. I hope something great happens to you today. In this week's episode, I sit down with Ayla and talk about some pretty heavy but important topics. If physical abuse, depression, anxiety, or abortion are triggering for you in any way, please be aware that they are a part of Ayla's story, and if you're not ready to listen, then that's okay. I'm hoping that if any of you have dealt with anything similar, that you can realize you're not alone and ensure that you seek the support you need after hearing this. If you feel that you don't have the support you need, there are resources that I will link in the description of this episode, and my DMs are always open. We said we were going to talk about depression and anxiety. We definitely, I'm sure, can share some opinions and experiences, but what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions or things that your friends maybe weren't aware of? Because I know you mentioned you're a really outgoing person and seem very happy, I'm sure, and I'm kind of the same way. Like, I love being the life of the party and all of that, but then you can still go home and no one really knows what you're dealing with. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we are very similar in that. Like any time that I mention to somebody that I do suffer from depression and anxiety, it's always a surprise. Like it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you seem like the happiest girl ever and like nothing's ever wrong. And that's just not the case. And I feel like there's such a misconception that depression or anxiety looks the same for everybody, which it definitely doesn't. Like for me, I could be out at a party or doing whatever and having so much fun. But the second I get home, that switch can flip and Mm -hmm. I could not be feeling like myself or I could be out doing those things and still having my like depressive and anxious thoughts inside. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think there's a misconception that when you're depressed or when you're anxious, you're home and you're alone and the lights are out and it's quiet and you can't laugh and you can be like a functioning person with depression and anxiety. Yeah. There's different levels to it, obviously. And everyone experiences it differently. And I think that that's the whole problem too, is um, sometimes even people that have depression, I think don't know that they have it because they can experience those highs, but they still also experience the lows. I myself, like I was living in Manhattan at the time when I like first had it really bad. And I don't think anyone knew. I mean, I told my best friend, but like, I don't think anyone else, I don't even know how I got through it. Honestly, I would just like cry every night and it sounds weird now. Cause like I never cry as much anymore, which is good, but it just, it's so different. You have to put on this show no matter what for your job or your friends and family. So that doesn't mean that those lows aren't devastating and, and you have those other thoughts. When did like you first experience depression or or a mental health issue? I think if you were to ask me when I realized it, I would say like junior year-ish of high school. Um, but it was definitely way before that now looking back, but I think I just didn't recognize like my thoughts and my behaviors as being depressed or as being anxious. Yeah. Um, But now looking back, I think it probably was a lot longer ago than I had originally thought. Junior of high school was definitely when I sort of admitted to myself Mm -hmm. and then my family that something was going on that I like needed help with. That's a lot to admit in high school. I, I didn't experience it until after college. So it's, it's a different situation. How yeah. did you tell your family? Like, was it, I think I'm depressed or. Well, so in high school, I struggled with an eating disorder and kept that totally hidden and secret from my family, even though I'm sure they knew just because of physical changes going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never spoke to them about it. I don't even think I recognized it as an eating disorder until really far down the line. I was just like, oh, I just like want to be in shape and Mm want to look a certain way, but I didn't realize that it was such a problem. 
And then along with that, I was drinking like every weekend, just beyond any normal sort of high school partying, I guess. And um, this one night I had a party when my mom was away and it ended with the cops coming and my dad had to come pick me up. And I have a very vague memory of this, but I like drunkenly, he was mad at me for what had happened, which mm-hmm. understandably so. Mm-hmm. And I remember just crying and being like, I think I really need some help. And I don't know if I was sober, if I ever would have said that actually. So I guess blessing in disguise. But yeah. from that point on, I had to go to a therapist and I had to go to groups, not for drinking, but just for the eating disorder stuff. Mm-hmm. Um And then I saw therapists for that for a while. And then I sort of stopped going to therapy until college. Mm -hmm. And I had to go again in college for like generalized kind of anxiety. But that's how I told them. It's kind of like a strange origin story. But that's but that shows just how hard it is to do sober. It's so hard to admit or even explain those feelings, I think, sometimes. Because I think a lot of people, too, it's like kind of a comparison thing. Like I can't be depressed because my life isn't that bad, but that's depression. Doesn't see your life that way. It's, it's not, it's not how it works. Yeah. And I think some of the times I've been the most depressed have been the times that like my social life was the best or my dating Mm -hmm. life was the best. And it just doesn't make sense to somebody unless they've experienced that. And it's very hard to explain. So I don't know. I guess I've been lucky in that anybody they have that I have opened up to about it has been like very open and accepting and supportive. Do I think that means they always fully understand? No, no. <laughs> but nobody can live inside your brain. So yeah. you have to just do your best, I guess, to explain it in so a way they that can be there for you. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's their in quotes job to be there for you, but they mm-hmm. can only be there for you to the level that you let them mm-hmm. um, and they need to kind of know what's going on because like we said, like it looks different in, in everybody. So there's not like a rule book to follow of how to help somebody who's depressed or. Yeah. I think that's what you just said is one of the most important things is you can, someone can only be there for you as much as you let them because I have someone in my life who I think is very depressed and kind of just doesn't open up about it and does not want to let anyone in. And I feel like obviously they know we can't help that much if you're not going to let us in, but it's so hard to kind of like open those gates to let them in, which is why you did it drunk. I'm sure when you were with your dad in high school, (laughs) but it's true. It's just so hard because of, I don't know, it's just undescribable sometimes, but you said you went to therapy. Did you get along with and like, feel like that first therapist really helped you or did it take a while to find someone? Yeah. Well, The first week that I was looking for therapists, we went to like a different one every day just to like out there. And I remember just not liking any of them. And then by the end of the week, just being so exhausted, having to explain this exact same story Mm -hmm. over over and over and just feeling like they weren't understanding. And it was always for different reasons. Like some people, it was just their general like vibe about them. Some people yeah. I felt were too old to understand what I was going through, mm-hmm. whatever. One, one was like a guy and I didn't feel like I wanted to talk to a guy at the time. Um, Cause in high school, I feel like I had a completely different mindset that I have now, but yeah. um, eventually I found this woman named Anne and I was obsessed with her. She was like the sweetest woman ever. 
And I felt like she actually listened to me rather than coming in with a list of points for like how to talk to someone with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And she really tried to like cater her advice to me, which I found to be really helpful. And then I stopped seeing her when I went to college and only have had one therapist since. I'm not in therapy now. I'm currently on the hunt for one because I need to practice what I preach. But I think I've just had a hard time like pushing myself to do that because the amount of sort of things and like milestones I've gone through between the last time I went to therapy and now it's like so immense that I just feel like it's so much like where do I even start how do I explain to you the last like five years of my life it seems impossible no that's exactly how I felt too and I went to a psychiatrist first and she actually prescribed like antidepressants she was like yeah you're definitely depressed blah 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 like went through this whole thing and I didn't meet with her frequently. She just kept refilling my prescription and it helped in the beginning. But then I came to a point where I was like, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life, which some people don't have the luxury to feel better without medication. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I just wanted to try not to have to be on it. So I I stopped taking the meds and just didn't go back to her ever again. But now I've like tried to find therapists and I went to one that I liked for like a few months and then I just wasn't getting anything out of it. So now I just started with someone new and it's like really frustrating because I'm like, I have so many things I want to talk about, but you need all of the backstories first. Definitely. So that just like induces anxiety too. It's like, I I don't know where to start. And it's like getting to know someone. And and that's why I always say that finding a therapist is like dating and you just have to keep trying. No, it totally is. You can only explain so much within one first date. And if they don't get it, then they don't get it. And you don't have hours and hours and hours of time to convince them that whatever, that they can help you or that they want to be around you, whatever it is. So I think it is really hard. And if you're dealing with anxiety, going to sit in a room alone with somebody and spill your life secrets is not that easy of a step to to get help. So, and yeah, I'm kind of similar to you. I went back on medication. I was on medication many years ago, like in college. And then I just went back on it in the springtime of 2020 Mm -hmm. because I think things were chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Just too much. And I, always have said like I think being on meds should be in tandem with going to therapy and then here I am not taking my own advice I'm (laughs) always that person and anyone who knows me that listens to this will agree that I give a lot of advice that I don't take um but but it's good advice it's just so much harder for anyone to take their own advice because you have your own emotions in it Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, you don't really know how I feel, (laughs) but I don't know. I'm hoping that I find somebody that I like because I don't know, especially with the way the world is right now, like everything is so up in the air and I would just like to be at like a very healthy mental state before Mm -hmm. I'm like thrust back into society because in my own bubble, like in my mom's house. That's, Um, I'm listening. Yeah. just so different than normal life um and also yeah. a lot more time to like not spiral isn't the word I want to use but, but be with your think, own thoughts yeah there's a lot of alone in my head so I would like to be at a better place before trying to like navigate the world again so yeah. hopefully I'll find someone that I like. Yeah. I just went on psychology today and like put in my insurance provider and like searched that way. And I did a bunch of phone consultations, which again, exhausting to (laughs) explain to them. 
I want to go to therapy because X, Y, Z. And my actual story was similar. It was like, I've been depressed. I've gone through some shit, but like right now I'm okay. But when 2020 ends or when COVID ends, which may not be at the same time anymore, I want to make sure that I'm good. Like, I don't want this to be another cycle of whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. What do you think is the most helpful thing for you when you did finally admit everything? Was therapy the most helpful? Was it talking to your friends and being open about it or even admitting it? I feel like sometimes just helps a lot. Yeah. I think being open about it because I think if you're kind of not open up front, because I wouldn't expect anyone to like right out the gate, explain to everyone these issues or thoughts that they're having, but to eventually open up to people that you're close to, because that way, when you are kind of exhibiting behaviors that are like Mm -hmm. symptoms of being depressed or being anxious, they're not going to have to think that it's about your relationship with them or your friendship with them or And not even that they won't have to worry because obviously people worry that's natural, but that they can approach it in a way from already having knowledge about where you are and where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, and also something I've been working on currently is just trying to remind myself that telling someone that you might need help or might need to be checked in on, or it's not like a burden to them. And I think that's something I've always struggled with. Cause I feel like Me growing too. up, I was always like the therapist friend, the mom friend, like not the boring mom friend, but like the one <laughs> to like for advice. Advice. Yeah. Yeah. And so I never wanted to bother people with my problems because how could I help them and be helped? And so I've really been trying my best to, be honest with my friends and my family when I do kind of need that extra little like hug or kiss or tap whatever it is. I feel like that's the most helpful. Yeah. And just keeping those types of people in your life too. Those types of people that you know are going to be there for you. But Mm -hmm. it's crazy that you say that too, because I, I think I might've mentioned it on another episode, but I literally like my good, like one of my best friends, we talk about everything but he always walks through like details about what he's going through or what we're talking about. And I try and give advice and I'm so happy to, and it never feels like a burden, but whenever it's my turn to share something, I'm just like, here's a quick summary. Yeah, I'll be okay. And it's like, I do the same thing. And I don't know why that is. I feel like we, we probably like from what you're saying and from how I feel, I, I think it's like, we know that people come to us to feel better so it's like, if we aren't better ourselves, it's, it's like you said, it's a bur- we think it's a burden and we think it's affecting them negatively, but really they, they probably want to be there for us anyway. So yeah, I also feel like it's like, okay, if I'm not in a good place, like who am I to give you advice that you should listen to, <laughs> I guess, which like, I don't really feel that way, but maybe my brain like subconsciously. Yeah. And also I feel like, I don't know how to explain it, but if somebody is coming to me with all of their problems and I'm giving them all this advice and kind of investing all this energy, and then suddenly I'm coming to them with all these problems, I don't want them to feel like they can't come to me anymore because I have so much on my plate. Because like my brain is divided, like the half of my brain and my energy that I can give to friends and family and people I care about has nothing to do with the energy I'm giving myself when it comes to advice anyway. Yeah. Other things, but I don't know. It's really hard to take, I don't know, take your own advice. Take your own advice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take your own advice to 
to ask for help, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And I even said, I've been like trying to figure out other like career choices and things like that and, and just figure out what I really want to do next. And I was telling my therapist and she said that it sounded like I would really like to be a life coach or something. And I was like, I never thought of that because my life is not together. And she was like, yeah, but, and she was like, I'm a therapist though. And I still go to therapy that doesn't negate your ability to help others. And I was like, oh, look at that little piece of wisdom. Right. I feel like that is true. Like whether it's like a therapist, seeing a therapist or like hairdressers have to go to the hairdresser Exactly. or an expert in something doesn't mean like you don't need someone else to do it for you. Yeah. As much as we want to be self-sufficient, we are human and we need others, like fact. So, Right. Like the more time I spent alone, like the worse things tend to get. So yeah. And then there's the cycle again, then you have to reach out to someone. And if your anxiety is so bad, that's not always so easy, but yeah, you know, we're trying. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you're trying, that's what matters. That was my thing too. In the city, I, I had random roommates my first time and we didn't hang out and I just ended up like staying in my room alone after work and just being sad and watching Netflix. And it's like, okay, yeah, I was depressed. But like, also part of that is I need to like put myself out there. So there's just, it's all jumbled into one, but I was going to ask how it affected your dating life or if it affects it now. I mean, COVID, I haven't dated, so I don't know about you, but (laughs) I, yeah, I am just the number one canceler ever. I never used to be like growing up, like high school, college, even I went to everything I was invited to, every plan I made. And now I don't want to say you're lucky too, because I don't mean it like that. But like, if I show up, like, wow. (laughs) And it's nothing to do with anybody who I'm supposed to go meet up with. It's nothing to do with that. It's just myself. And I'll have a date or something I'm so excited about. And then just sit there in my apartment, like trying to get ready. And I just cannot do it. And then I make up some excuse about why I can't go. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, a stomach ache or yeah, heart trouble or whatever it is. And I do not stand by that at all. I think it's a terrible way to be. But it's not so easy when it's someone you've never really met before to be like, hey, I'm actually really anxious. Can we reschedule? Yeah. And 100%. I would more normalized, but I don't think it is as of now. Um, but it's definitely something I'm trying to work on. Because even with friends too, like sometimes I'll get anxious about some birthday party or outing that we have. And instead of just being like, hey, I'm really not feeling up to it. I'll always just make up. Now, like all my friends are going to listen to this and be like, you're a liar. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is good. Now they can know. But I think it is hard. I mean, sometimes I really do have a stomachache. But I think in general, it definitely has affected my dating life. I don't think it affects me while I'm dating someone that much, mm-hmm. but I think in the process of starting to date someone is when it more so affects things. Yeah. Because you're more vulnerable and you start to open up more and spend more time together. I think what you said though, about you're lucky if I show kind of thing though, is something that people that don't have anxiety or depression understand at all. And it's like, it has nothing to do with you. I want to see you. I want to hang out with you. But because I've done nothing but go from work to my bed for the past seven days, it freaks me out to go see people. And it's like outside of your comfort zone now. And it's very hard. I feel like that's another part. Like people think, 
I think it's good and it's great that people talk about depression and stuff more now, like mental health, but I do think that there's a problem with people saying, I feel depressed because Mm -hmm. I feel like people say that they're depressed or feel depressed when they're not. Right. Like when they're just sad. It's like catastrophizing the situation. Sort yeah. Of. That's the right word. Like they're just feeling sad, but they use the term depressed. It's kind of like when people use the term bipolar when they shouldn't. They're like, oh, that person yes. is bipolar. When it's just yes. who might have certain highs or lows or two sides to them, mm-hmm. uh, which I think sort of causes a bit of a problem because then yeah. when they are depressed, people. It's just, not taken as seriously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like part, I don't know, it's like in our culture kind of like to be like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Like, <laughs> exactly. I feel like it's easier to talk about, which is great, but it's easier to accuse a situation or a feeling to be a mental health issue, even when it's not. Like, everyone has sad days and everyone has bad days. I'm not saying that those horrible days aren't horrible, but depression and anxiety are an ongoing thing that you cannot control. It doesn't matter, like you said, if everything in your life is great, you literally get chained to your bed sometimes. Like, that's just how it is. So I think that's, like, something that we all have to be a little more aware of. Yeah, if you do have depression, every like, I could get a promotion at work. I could have a new relationship that I love. I could win the lottery. I don't know. And I could still be depressed. So interesting you brought that up because I don't know how you kind of change the narrative about that. I feel like it's... It's a combination of like a lot of the things that are going on, I think, in the world right now. The internet has become like a safe space for a lot of people, but also a really dangerous place. It's literally both ends of the spectrum. Right. Even like when um, like Chrissy Teigen recently went through her like horrible miscarriage mm-hmm. and posted a photo like from the hospital because that is what she wanted to do with her experience. Yes. And that that's her prerogative. That's totally fine. And people on Twitter were just attacking her, like that this is insensitive and why don't you care? And you're not even insensitive. Yeah. And like who would be posting on the internet? And I was like, first of all, leave her the fuck alone because you have nothing to do with this. You're being insensitive by saying that. What the hell? And even so, even if you like, even if you feel a certain type of way, you don't need to write it on the internet. And I know everyone feels like very safe behind a computer screen, but yeah. it's just sort of like, unless it's something, I actually know, I was going to say, unless it's something you've been through, but even if it's something you've been through and you disagree, unless whatever they're doing is really blatantly hurting somebody, I don't think you need to. No, that's none of your business. That's the whole thing. It's like social media should be a safe place for you to openly, if you want to openly talk about your miscarriage, God forbid, or, or your depression or anxiety, that's your space to do that. And like, this is the argument that I feel like people come with, well, you're putting it out there. So you have to be okay with the repercussions, but this is where I don't agree. Let's say for Chrissy example, I don't know how we got into this, but (laughs) Chrissy put that out there because that made her feel better. She wanted to pay tribute to her situation. She wanted to deal with it in that way. And that's her prerogative. Does that mean that she should be able to be trolled by people who would never say a word to her in real life? No, that's where there's like blurred lines. Like you wouldn't say that to her face. It's none of your business. It's rude. It's not helping anyone. Like people just need to stop being mean. Right. Exactly. I just can't imagine like ever typing out something like that would so intentionally hurt somebody else or so cruel to someone and actually like clicking send. Like, yeah, this is kind like, of to me, but that it's mind boggling. It's like, how 
messed up though their life must be that that's what they're doing that's what i truly think if you're going through something like a miscarriage or anxiety and depression and and you're alone and you already feel like the world is against you so people just have to fucking be kind yeah just be nice it's really not that hard (laughs) it's really not (laughs) i think we were talking about dating and then it kind of spiraled because dating always spirals but concept now because I've been trapped in my house for so Oh my god. I, I know same to a man that is my age since what March? <laughs> like in person. <laughs> no offense to anybody who might know me that's listening to this, but there's no one in my hometown that quite interests me. <laughs> so same. It, it, oh my God. There are no options here. <laughs> Same exact thing. It's so hard, just COVID in general. Everyone, it's just a sad time. But you also, though, wanted to talk about the relationship that you were in your past and and how that story kind of has changed your life as well. Yeah. So I was in a relationship for a few years with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it started out as normal relationship and it kind of I met him, so I had a roommate, and she had a boyfriend, and this was her boyfriend's best friend from home. Okay. So it kind of was, like, the perfect storm of, like, yeah, of course. so cool, we're going to, like, go out together, whatever. So we would, like, go out to the bars and have tons of fun, and it just kind of escalated very quickly. Like, it started from us hooking up to then he was staying over multiple nights, and then I was staying there, and then, like, next thing I knew we were in a relationship and at the very beginning, you know, there was like, it was all fine and dandy, like no red flags of any kind. Pretty soon after that, things sort of took a turn. He definitely had some substance abuse issues that I guess he had struggled with prior to us dating as well. Um, And they kind of found their way back in. And then I just started to notice things like certain anger problems that he had or whatever it might have been, but they were never directed towards me. Like it would just Mm -hmm. be like even driving on the road. If someone cut him off, it just seemed like he got a little too angry for what I found to be normal. Um, Or if he'd get drunk and some person would like look at him the wrong way or whatever, yet again, the same thing, but it was never directed it towards me. So I was like, oh, he's just drunk. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking back, I think the reason that I felt that way is I had dealt with other men in my life that were kind of similar to that, like other guys I had been in relationships with or whatever. And so I was just like, oh, I guess guys are just like that. Even a lot of guys, not true. Yeah. I feel like people just assume, especially in college, I was like, guys just get drunk and get macho. Like that's just how it is. Crap guys. Like they're like, want to like, I don't know, jump on top of beer pong tables and like smash beer cans on their head. So stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, I don't know. I just kind of thought that was normal. Like my rational brain knew You're not alone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we were dating and then it's so interesting because all the like specific memories I have of this relationship are very vivid, but I feel like the timeline is very blurry to me. I think, I don't know if it's like, my brain like protecting me or something. I'm not sure, like blocking it out. But eventually he moved in with me because he had been living at his aunt's house to save money. And we were going back and forth all the time. And like, I just didn't want to always be there with his aunt and they had a housekeeper and um, they were always around. And I just, 
I don't know, we're young, we're like having sex, like whatever. Yeah. I, didn't, I felt like high school again, like trying to like be quiet. Yeah. And I lived on the complete other side of town. So was this in college or after college? After college. Got and so eventually he lived with me. I won't say moved in together. He lived with me because mm-hmm. my apartment and I had a roommate, but he just lived there. Didn't pay rent. Like I paid for everything. I paid for all of our food. I paid for like literally everything. Did and he have I, a job? He worked at a restaurant, but I had more money than he did. And like occasionally, like if we would go to, I don't know, like watch a game at a bar or something like he would pay. But in general, it would be me like paying for everything. And I don't know why I let that happen, but I think it was just me like wanting him to stay around. And like, I don't know why I thought those two things were- You loved him, I'm sure. So yeah. did, which is interesting to like look back on because now I can't like really put myself in that headspace, but also I sort of can, which is- yeah weird in its own way, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we were in a relationship for a while and then it just all really went downhill. He was very jealous. Like I have a lot of guy friends and he was just not okay with them texting me or me hanging out with them. Or like if it was after a bar and my friend's and I wanted to go back to someone's apartment, he didn't like that. And keep in mind, I would invite him everywhere that I would go, but he never wanted to come. But then the entire time I was out, he was constantly texting me like, where are you? When are you coming back? Like, so controlling. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a really fucked up situation, but I don't know. I just convinced myself it was fine because the times that were good, I like cherished so much. And like, I really was in love with him, even though I knew that he was like, a shithead. (laughs) And so this like jealousy and these kind of anger issues sort of started to escalate into a lot of verbal and emotional abuse. So a lot of like name calling or like threatening to hook up with somebody else or threatened to like leave. Manipulation. Yeah. Totally. And just making me feel so bad. Like he would tell me like none of my friends actually liked me and that like I was ugly or I was fat or like just literally being like all of your friends are losers and they just pretend to like you because they feel bad for you. And somehow I believed him. I don't know. I, not because I thought my friends were at fault at all, but I was like, why would someone who loves me say this to me if it wasn't true? So you just started feeling worse about yourself, which is oh, exactly horrible. what they do. And which yeah. just drew me closer to him, which is like the whole gaslighting situation. When he would say those things, is it like you would just like accept it and be upset with him? Would he be like, but I'm here for you? Kind of varied. I think sometimes I would just like cry and yell and be like, get the fuck out of my apartment. And he would just be like, no. And I would just like, but like he would just refuse and he'd be like, I live here. And I would be like, you don't pay a dollar? Or I think at one point he used the term squatters rights, which is like Oh my god. Funny to think back on just because it's so ridiculous. Um, but I think he was something along the lines of like, oh, I've lived here for X amount of time. So even though I'm not on the lease, I technically live here. Don't know if it's true to this day, never bothered to look it up, but that is a term he did use. And I think over time a lot of friends kind of had expressed certain concerns and 
I think by, I don't know, breaking up with him for good. And keep in mind, we did break up like multiple times, but that only lasted like 24 hours. Yeah. Um, I think it would be kind of admitting to myself that like things were kind of worse than I thought. Just a lot of things that he said that I just can't even say out loud because they were just so like damaging to me and to family and friends and things like that. Ultimately, it did end up getting physical, which is I think when I sort of knew I needed to leave. Is that when I left? No. But it is when I kind of had the realization that something was like very, very wrong. And I did tell a couple of friends, but I think I told them as like an insurance policy because I was like, they won't let me stay with him if I tell them this, like, there's no way. And they didn't, like, in a certain way, a lot of them wouldn't let him come to their house or, like, wouldn't let him be around because I did kick him out, but then he just, like, came back and I, for some reason, just, like, allowed that to happen. Did he start small kind of thing and then it build, or was it something that he did something and you were like, okay, it's only going to be a one-time thing? I know, like, it's different for everyone. Yeah, there was like a couple of times he would just kind of like shove me out of the way. And I was like, okay, that's like not so bad. Like maybe he's just drunk or mad or whatever. And then one night it sort of just all came to a head. And he was like, if my mom's listening to this, maybe turn it off for a second. But um, we were at a bar and he came into the bathroom where I was and was like, like choking me and kicking me and like spitting on me. I'm and so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. And I actually was kicked out of the bar, not him. What? Yes, I was kicked out of the bar and um, this bartender woman was like flirting with him and was like happy to see me go. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, this is a nightmare. Like not only is this happening to me, but nobody wants to help me. And I just... What the fuck? Yeah, it was crazy. I really was just in shock about it. And then I went back to my apartment and he came back and he like pushed me to the floor and was like kicking me and I was like all bruised. And it was a very, I, I talk about it sort of nonchalantly in a way now, just because I think I've tried to emotionally like remove myself from this telling of the story anyway. I don't know if that's like to make it easier to talk about or probably yeah but the timeline between that and us not having any contact is very long which is like something I really regret but I try not to like blame myself for I guess because you really are like brainwashed like it's so 100% hard to like I can barely like put myself in the mindset of whoever I was back then, because I would never ever like stand for any of that type of behavior now. But yeah, I mean, that was like sort of the physical side. And then there were a few other instances, like I picked him up at the airport one time and he was hammered on the plane. And I had to loop around like 20 times at LAX. Like anyone who's been there knows, like you cannot just like stop and wait for someone. So I'm looping and looping and looping. It's late. I'm like, I really want to go home. Like, where are you? Like, I've been here for so long. I know your flight landed. And he was like drunk in the airport, like talking to someone, God knows who. 
and he got in the car and I was obviously upset with him because I was frustrated. Like, yeah, I did to come back and see me not like fucking around in the airport. And on the way, when we were in the car, I was driving and he pulled my glasses off of my face and threw them to the back of the car. And I'm like blind without my glasses. So I'm like on the freeway. Oh my God. In Los Angeles, blind as shit. Being like, I cry, I was bawling my eyes out. I was like, I can't see, I can't see. Like, what, like, get my glasses. And he was like, nope. It was really bad. And along the way, the things I cannot repeat what he said because I just refuse to repeat it. But just some of like the most horrifying things I've ever heard about me and about my family and all these things. And I like managed to pull over, but not really knowing where I was. I just like took whatever the next exit was. And there was all this stuff in my car because I had been like moving things around. There was like a comforter and like some clothes. He threw them all in the street. And I eventually called the police because I just felt like I needed help. Of course. Yeah. Not help me. They didn't um, help you? No, they didn't. And this was not the first time this had happened. There was like- a What few- happened? They basically were like, you seem fine. <gasps> and I was like trying to explain like what happened. And they were like, does he live with you? And I was like, well, yeah. And they were like, does he have a key? And I was like, well, yeah. They were like, well, then technically he can go to your apartment with you. I was like, what? And I was like, did I not just explain to you what happened? Like, did I leave out the part where he ripped my glasses off in the middle of the freeway and we almost crashed? Or when he was like berating me in the car, like, did I leave any of that out? And they were like, well, there's just really nothing we can do. And they were like, the only thing we could really do is arrest him, but he's going to get let out in a minute. He's brainwashed you, but now these cops are basically reinforcing what he has made you think all along. They're reinforcing, oh, he's not doing anything wrong. Exactly. And there were a few other times I had called the police and they literally didn't do anything. Um, to your apartment did you call them or multiple times and like one time we were walking and I was like on the way to a friend's house and he like pushed me up against this like metal fence this is like so dark but pushed me against a metal fence and was like squeezing my neck and like yelling at me and like people just walked by what and I was just like in shock like I was like I I'm always that person. Like if I see a girl like sitting on the sidewalk or crying, like you go like, are you okay? Like, do you need Yes. And nobody said anything. And I just couldn't believe it. I wasn't gonna scream the word help because I don't know, that just feels like a word. You're like frozen in that moment though, too. Yeah. But yeah, nobody helped me. If a girl walks by that situation, I understand that it's hard for her to step in. Like the guy is gonna overpower both of you. But at the same time, I would call the police. I've done that before. I've called the police. I've literally heard people yelling. Yes. The police because you just never know what the situation is. You could stop, God forbid, you could stop a murder from happening. Like you don't know when it goes too far. And if you're seeing that in public, like. I know. If he's going that far in public, I'm so happy that you're here because. Right. Imagine how far he would eventually go in private. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is sometimes what is so hard to explain to people when they realize like how long we were actually together and like that I saw him after all those things happened. It's just kind of inexplicable. Like your rational brain and your emotional brain are like not at all connected, I think. And also when somebody is like continuously 
kind of bringing you down in some like verbal or emotional way, even though if you know it's not true, like you do sort of believe them to an extent of that course. Like, you need them and that mm-hmm. like they're the only person who gets you or understands you, even though they're the one that's hurting you the most. And I still think over time, I really haven't, as much as I've like definitely shared my story with certain people and, or at least certain parts of it, I still don't feel like I've gotten to a place where I can sort of sum up how I feel about it or like how I felt then. And I think that's something that I really would like to be able to do just for like my own like yeah, healing, for healing. Stuff. yeah. Um, because I think now, like I just did, I can sort of explain bits and pieces of like a multi-year relationship, but it's a lot harder to explain like how I feel about how it. How makes you feel now, yeah. Because Especially I still after. don't really know. Because I still can remember like being in love just as much as I can remember like being abused. Mm-hmm. And it gets very muddled and that like very it's scary feeling yeah I can't imagine going through that and like I said I'm happy that you're here right now and you're out of that but I think one important thing to say is if you see anyone struggling on the street or anywhere like even if they say they're okay I think police should be called but then at the same time the fact that they the police actually had been called at certain points and didn't help is really frustrating and like I don't really know the answer to that, but that's a huge problem. I think, um, yeah, if you do, like they say, see something, say something. And also, you know, if when the police had come, I had been less scared of him, I probably would have been more willing to just be like, yeah, arrest him. I don't fucking care. That's not when the the police are called when you are scared. So like that's in, in, I know they shouldn't have had to ask me, do you want him to be arrested? It should just, I called you. What do you think I called you for? Right. There's a lot of pressure to answer in front of this person. I'm so scared of act as if I'm a stranger in a way. Like I think they were looking at it as like, oh, this is clearly a couple fighting about like, if I had been a stranger and called the police on this random ass person doing this to me, I don't think they would have asked me many questions. And that is like sort of insulting to me. (laughs) (laughs) that's like a whole other episode I'm sure I even I called them one time when he was like really wasted and they like didn't even want to help me and he was like throwing up on the floor like laying on his back and they like wouldn't help me so I don't know maybe like LA police oh my god I don't know so with all of that happening though I I feel like that just makes it even harder because these outside people are reinforcing what he's telling you in a way so how did you eventually actually end it like how did you get out of that and also like I've had an episode about emotional abuse but never physical and I think that physical is just another layer because then you're actually scared of what he can physically do to you it's not even like you can move out and be free of his emotional abuse it's now I'm sure you were scared is he gonna come to my door again or whatever. I think that is part of the reason I always like let him come back is because I was like, I'd rather have him back under my control rather than him being out in the world and so angry at me. And then like, who knows what he would do. Um, And he is someone that like I came to find like further down the line that when he was younger, I guess he like beat someone up like within an inch of their life, like a very like hospitalization like type of situation. So like I was very afraid of that and like what could happen. Did that guy that was your friend's boyfriend know about 
this stuff? Yeah, there was a few people that did know and they did their best to like try to get us to be separate. But like, I never really let them like be in the same place. I like wanted the help. But then when I like when the moment would come to it, like he it's scary. I had a few people in my life be like, the second you say the word, like I'm gonna go after him in one way. Yeah. Or Not that I'm condoning any sort of I know what you mean. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, people who care about you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I always like really tried to keep it separate because I was just really scared of like what would happen. Which, looking back on it, I don't know how to feel about it. But I honestly, towards the end, it gets so blurry to me. Like we did break up. He had gone back to visit his family where they live. And while he was gone, I called him and I basically was like, you know, I think maybe you should stay there. Like. I, I don't do this over the phone, but that just like felt the easiest to me because yeah. I just remember like the week that he was gone or two weeks, I felt so like free and happy and like not stressed at all. And I was like, okay, this clearly means something. So I remember telling him to just stay there and he accepted it for a while and then eventually did come back. But honestly, the timeline, it's like, like I said, it's so blurry. Like I remember we did break up. He did move um, to where his family lives, which is in another state. Mm -hmm. And then I visited him twice and he visited me twice over a period of time. Did he apologize? He always did. Every time. I'm sorry. I love you. Like, I want to marry you. I want to have babies with you. You're everything to me. Blah, blah, blah. Don't know where I stand on how much of that was true, but... um. Yeah, so we visit each other a couple times, and then the last time, things just, like, went horribly wrong. Like, he, like, smashed my phone on the ground and, like, broke it, and I called the cops on him again, and it just was, like, back to how it always was, and I just, I think then and there kind of knew that I could never see him again. Not that I didn't know that before, but yeah, I think the having final straw. Kind of way, yeah. Like having this time away and then having it happen, like nothing as serious, but something even happening again, I sort of just realized this needed to end and that the only way it was going to is if I forced it to. I, even after all that, like still worried about him because like he suffers with anxiety and substance abuse and all these things. And I worried about him. So we would talk for a little while, but ultimately I just had to like, distance myself from it and I remember promising a friend that I just if he texted me I could decide whether to answer but that like I would not reach out to him like at all and it's crazy Mm -hmm. to even think that I would have wanted to reach out yeah yeah but I think it was maybe me trying to like I don't know like maybe if I could make him like treat me well then like I could convince myself that like it wasn't my fault or that like the things he said were not true or something. I'm not really sure. Like I said, I like don't know if I've like processed it all enough because I haven't Mm -hmm. gone back to therapy or anything after all of that. So I don't know why, but I think I just like wanted to like fix him or like change him or something, but we don't talk now. It's definitely something that, you know, like affects my dating life now and my self-esteem and my life, but I am hoping to work on it. Yeah. And I'm sure that people go through years of therapy before they are able to do that. Like that's a lot of trauma that you experienced that a lot of people don't even 
hopefully ever have to deal with. And you experience a lot of different things from that one relationship. Yeah. And I know there's something else that we're going to chat about. So I feel like that maybe can relate to this. Yes. So another thing that occurred while we were in relationship was that I found out that I was pregnant, which now knowing the backstory of everything is obviously not a situation I wanted to find myself in. Not a situation I wanted to find myself in in general at the Mm -hmm. age that I was and the financial place I was in and of course everything there was no part of me that was ready to have a child at the time but especially because of who it was with I think you know if circumstances had been different maybe I would have at least thought about it mm-hmm. but there was like not a second that you could bring that baby into his yeah no yeah I don't know there just would have been no way like and this was when it was not even as bad between us you know like people say they're like you just know when you're pregnant like you just know yes and it's like what does that mean it is true I remember just like not feeling right like something felt weird but I like couldn't put my finger on it like a gut feeling yeah yeah and so I told a couple people, I was like, I don't know what's going on with me, but like, I feel really weird. They're like, why don't you just like go to Planned Parenthood to like ease your minds, figure out what's going on. Like I'm like, everyone's like, I'm sure you're fine. Yeah. So I walked in there and I sat down with the woman and I was like, I'm pregnant. I know it. And she was like, oh honey, no, you're not. Like, I'm sure you're fine. And I'm thinking like, okay, if I am, that is a really weird thing that she just said to me. (laughs) Like, she was like, I'm sure you're not. And I was like, I just really think so. And she was like, well, why? And I was like, I just don't feel right. She goes, I'm sure you're fine. Don't worry about it. Do the test. And she comes back and she looked like, Like she saw a ghost. Yeah. She was like, she really saw a ghost. And she was like, so you are pregnant. And I was like, I fucking knew it. I immediately started to cry because I just yeah, those words like you're pregnant. There's just so many things that come along with that. I went and called my mom, told her she was crying, not because she was upset, but just because I was upset. Yeah. Um, she's like very, very supportive. And she used to work at Planned Parenthood when she was younger. And she has That's had cool. certain situations in her life that make her, you know, she understands. So then I called my friend Lindsay and I was like, I told her what happened and she was at work. And she actually left work and picked me up. And then when I was with her, I called my boyfriend, Sajak's boyfriend. And I was like, I need to tell you something after work. So like, can you come home right after work instead of like hanging around? Because sometimes you'd like hang around and talk to his like friends or whatever. And he was like, just tell me now. And I was like, I don't want to. I was like, I just want to tell you in person. He's like, well, you should call me at work. Tell me now. And do I think his reaction would have been a little different if, we hadn't just like broken up the night before. Yeah. Um, but knowing him also, maybe not. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, so I told him and he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, well, I am. And he was like, well, how? And I was like, it's called sex. Yeah. I was like, remember, I was like, what do you mean? How? Like, we all know how he's like, but you're on the pill. I was like, I know that that's something I should also mention. I was like on the pill which I believe my mom also conceived while on the pill. So that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to mention on this is that nine in 10 women who become pregnant unintentionally are on a birth control method. So, 
and he was like accusing me basically of like not taking my birth control or like whatever. And I was like, if you are trying to insinuate that I did this on purpose, you psychotic. Yeah. I don't even really like, it's so weird. Like so much, I feel like I blocked out, but, um, I just remember I, I told him, I was like, I'm getting an abortion. I didn't ask what he wanted to do. I didn't care, frankly. I mean, if it was a different relationship, I think that part of it would have gone down a little bit differently. Um, but in this case, I didn't think that he needed to be part of that decision. No, you didn't want to bring a baby into something like that because you that's scary for a baby too, which is one of the biggest reasons that people don't have that do have abortions is yeah. they're not going to be born into a home that is safe for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think looking back, like that's just something that's really important to me and that makes me like really confident in my decision because like seeing how things did end up going down between us, I just cannot fathom having like had a kid during that time. And aside from the fact that, you know, financially it just wouldn't have made sense and whatever else, just with him, like that just made no sense. And I needed that option because without it, like I really don't know. I I think I would have stayed with him because Mm -hmm. I either would have stayed with him because I would have felt like I needed to, or I would have left and been a single mom with this crazy abusive dad Father, like, yeah which is like I, I've never really even put it into those terms because I've just never even imagined the alternative to what I did he was supportive of my decision it doesn't do me any good to try to analyze the things he said to me and whether they were true or not true but it was just such a strange situation, situation. because mm-hmm. here you have this person like and he did this all the time like would like break down crying like like, I need you. I want to be with you. I love you or this or that. And then would act some totally different way. So kind of like, you know, skewing your head, like what love is supposed to look like or whatever. Yeah. But Crazy highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like not like love is always easy, but it like shouldn't be hard. And it shouldn't be abusive in any way. Yeah, right. exactly. So the day came to go. My hopes were not too high, but I felt I felt okay like I felt sad and like nervous but I was like I'm gonna go in it will be done and then I can kind of process it after but I imagined it to be a very like somber sad environment like regardless Mm -hmm. of how I was feeling about it just the way that it was figured Yeah, I pictured like a quiet waiting room with people holding their loved ones and they're crying and however, kind of like what you would imagine to see like in a movie. Mm -hmm. I walk in, give my information and there's a guy in the waiting room, like fully playing Candy Crush, like on his phone without headphones, like at full volume and like audibly reacting to what's going on in this game. It just was bizarre. Like here I am like really trying to like process what's going on. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. Even though it was something I wanted to do. Of course, it's still a lot of emotion that comes with it. So I'm like, okay, this is bizarre. But like, I feel like waiting room behavior is always bizarre. Like I feel like it's like there's like kids eating like blocks and then like moms like Googling like how to divorce their husbands or like weird waiting room behavior. So I was like, all right, I'm sure it'll get like a little different when I go in there. And so they give you an IV and then you have to wait in a room with other girls, which was so not what I expected. 
Were you alone then or was he with you? No, he was out in the waiting room. I think they actually told him to go to his car that he could like wait in his car because it'd be like a few hours. And uh-huh. it was like early in the morning. So I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, just go to your car and like sleep in the car or something. Would they let you in, let him in with you if you wanted? No. Okay. Wow. Uh, at least it wasn't offered to me. I don't know if maybe mm-hmm. I'd asked, but I didn't see anybody else having someone in there. That's scary um, to go through alone though too. Yeah. And I did have the option whether to be like awake or asleep and I chose asleep. Yeah. As I just felt like I didn't want to really remember it. I didn't think that was part of the experience that I needed to remember. Um, So I went in and I'm waiting with eight other girls and the waiting room had a TV and it was playing. Do you remember that show, The Fabulous Life on VH1? And it was like the guy with like the Australian accent or whatever. And he'd like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This life of blah, blah, blah. It was that. And it was a Justin Bieber episode. I'll never forget it. And it's like Justin Bieber's mansion in Los Angeles. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. Like, I really felt like I was streaming. Like, it felt very, very strange. In a way, looking back, maybe it helped because I was more focused on what an chaos was going on. (laughs) Yeah. Like the chaos around me than like how I was feeling. Like I didn't have even time, I think, to sit and process. Then I went in and teacher, I don't know how long it took because I was asleep. asleep. Yeah. Um, but I just remember I like woke up in the little recovery room and then eventually like when I could walk, they like walked me out to the waiting room and he was there. I was like really tired and like really out of it. Did Um, they explain everything to you well or do you feel like you were a little unaware of some of the aftermath? I feel like they explained a lot about the physical part. Oh, you like have to wear pads or like you can't do X, Y, Z for this amount of time or you're going to feel tired. But I don't think anything on the like emotional side was explained Mm -hmm. to me. And I don't know if it normally is or isn't. I don't know. They kind of just said like you're going to feel a little groggy or you're going to want to eat like simple foods or whatever it was, but really I was kind of on my own. I went back, like I said, I was like taken care of by him. And then. Wait, so you were, you were in LA too. Where's your family? Are they in LA? Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So it was just me in LA. So I don't know. And it's weird. Cause like I said about like not remembering certain things, like I don't really remember like the period of time of like getting back to normal and I'm putting normal in quotes, like feeling better afterwards. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like I remember that day so specifically, but I don't remember a lot of like the surrounding days. And I don't know if that's just because I blocked them out or staying in bed. I'm not really sure. I feel like our brain does do that. It, it, It has a way of blurring things out that are hard to deal with. And it's, it's like we bury things that we aren't ready to deal with or, or don't know how to. Yeah, I think, you know, there's people who tell stories of like not remembering certain like, abuse or things till they're mm-hmm. adults because I think your brain somehow knows to protect you from those things. Like, yeah, stress responses it releases when those things happen. Like, mm-hmm. they don't want that to keep happening because it's not a sustainable way to live. So they just block it, blocks it out for you. But I don't know. I think it's so weird because I have like told the story of getting an abortion 
before, but like I said, haven't been to therapy. So like through after, like I haven't been to therapy ever since that whole relationship, abortion, anything like that. So any like talking about it I've done, it's just been to friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I only go into my emotions about it so much. It's more kind of like storytelling more than it is processing what's happened. Yeah. So I think that's something I'm still figuring out. Like when someone's like, what was it like? I'm like, I don't really know. Like I, I do. And yeah. I, I also think that's not a question that people should ask. Like <laughs> it's more so like when you share this with a friend, it's like, you just need to know because you need to know that if I have a breakdown, this is why and things like that. And I think like one of the things that I was going to ask you is what makes you want to speak about it? Do you think it's maybe part in, in part because you want to kind of heal from it and, and get it out there more and obviously help others who might listen, but I'm sure it also has to do with how you're, how you are trying to process it. Yeah. I think there's two parts. I think part of it is that it is something that I do really want to start processing and healing from And unless I force myself to talk about it, I don't think that's going to happen. Like I've tried even to like, this sounds crazy, but like literally if I'm just laying in bed, I'm like, all right, think about that time and like how you feel about it and like how you can work through it. And like that never gets me anywhere because it usually honestly, because it's internal. Yeah. And I think part of the reason I never really dealt with it, it, it was kind of buried beneath my relationship. So it almost to me when I look at it in terms of my relationship was like a blip in the radar of that, but a blip in the radar of my life. Mm -hmm. But because the relationship was like so damaging and like my main focus, I never really talked about the abortion specifically that much because right after that I was thrown right back into the thick of this relationship. Yeah. And the abuse got worse. So that abuse became the main problem in your life. And it 100% outweighed that other part. Like, I'm not saying it outweighed it in terms of what was important or anything, but it outweighed what you were worrying about in that moment. And it really did outweigh in terms of what was important because like the abortion, as much as it really did, you know, affect me and make me sad, it was my choice. And I knew it was like the right thing for me to do. It's not the right thing for everyone to do, but it's the right thing for me to do. Um, But it was within my control, at least not getting pregnant, but everything I chose to do after that, but with yeah. that wasn't the case. So I think that's partially why, but I think women's reproductive health and like the right to choose has like always been important to me, even before I was someone who kind of experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my mom used to work in Planned Parenthood. So I've always kind of grown up in an environment where that's talked about and like accepted. And especially now it's become such a political issue mm-hmm. and people online, like we were talking about before, are so vocal about it. And there's a lot of like pro-life people out there spreading a lot of messages that I personally find to be very like, dangerous and damaging. It's a woman's body, so it should be her choice. Like, I think that's just the end of the discussion. But obviously, I understand there are other things that come into play, like the timeline. And that's why there are guidelines. Like, there are health codes and whatever else. I don't know all of the details, but you cannot have an abortion past X date unless it's at uh, endangering the life of the mother or something like that. And the other thing I think is so important is as a, a woman, number one, it's your body, obviously, but number two, There are so many situations just like yours or other situations as well, where 
it is not good for that baby to come into into the world, whether it's abuse or if God forbid a woman is raped and that is how she gets pregnant. Like, why is it that I have to do this because of what a man did to me? Right. I totally agree. And when people say that they're pro-life and, and everything, then that's, that's fine. Then you never have to have an abortion. Exactly. I think that's like kind of where it becomes this dangerous situation. It's like, you can have your opinions about it, but that doesn't mean that everyone else needs to follow suit. And like you said, whether you're in an abusive relationship or even like think about young girls who still live at home, who might have parents that would kick them out or people who just don't have the money like to raise mm-hmm. a child or just someone who doesn't want one, like not yeah. wants a kid and should have to have one. And like you said, or rape or whatever it is, I just don't see why it has to be anyone's decision aside from the woman. Mm-hmm. I guess I've been lucky personally that I've never had someone try to like sway me from what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But even in where like Louisiana now, they are banning abortion. Banning abortion is not banning abortion. It's banning safe abortions. Like people are still going to get abortions. People used to go to alleyways with coat hangers and push each other down the stairs. I don't, I guess I just don't see the motivation of telling someone that they need to have a baby when this baby is now going to come into the world and struggle in XYZ sort of way. And yes, there are people that want to adopt and there are situations where it can work itself out, but more often than not, when someone wants to have an abortion, there's a reason why. Of course. And it's not an easy decision. And I think it's important to note that if that's against your religion or something like that, I respect that, but I'm not a part of it. Right. Totally. I agree. God forbid that you brought that baby into your life and then that abuse started and then that baby could have died. I know. Like No one has any idea of what anyone is going through. And that's why it's your body, your choice. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you said, like, even if it is about religion, like you're being kind enough, let's say, to say like, that's a religion I respected, but I'm not going to impose on you and whatever, mm-hmm. they can do the same to you. So they exactly that you feel the opposite way, but it just seems to not really happen that way. Everyone just thinks that they have, they are entitled to an opinion mm-hmm. or say on everyone else's life. It's just not true. That's what I feel like our generation is doing a little better with is just accepting the fact that we are all different and we don't know what happens behind closed doors. And like all of those things are definitely, I think, being talked about more or we're being open with them more and understanding. People are willing to be more open about like who they are and what's important to them. And we're learning how to accept diversity, like exactly accept diversity, but I made the right choice for me. I don't regret it. Still something I need to like process and deal with, but I would never go back and change my decision. And I would hope that there's nobody that would want me to, especially after hearing kind of what I was going through at the time or thinking that other women maybe have similar situations. I hope people can try to be a little bit more open and realize that it's not such an easy choice. It's a very loaded decision. Yeah. And you consider your options and you consider your environment and it wasn't right for you. It was too dangerous. It was too unstable for that child. And that's every, you have every right to make that decision. And I hope that women that unfortunately may be in the same situation can know and have the support to make that decision that they need to make too. 
Yeah, I hope so too. And I hope people know also, like, even if you don't feel like you have people in your personal life who are accepting or are going to be willing to have a conversation with you, there are tons of resources out there, whether it be like message boards, or you can call Planned Parenthood, or you can, I'm sure there's even like Facebook groups, like, yeah. you know, we're in like an Instagram group or a Facebook group of like yeah. women who are in similar situations, um, who you can talk to, who have been through what you've been through, or at least will be understanding enough to talk to you about it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have friends or family in your life who you feel like you can talk to, like you should not have to go through it alone. So mm-hmm. there are other ways and like other people who can kind of guide you through it. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and just being so honest and open because I know it's not an easy topic. And I mean, I'm glad that you're able to talk about it, but it seems like you still want to digest it more, which is something that I think is also important to share with people is just that you can't always process things on your own. And sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes months, and that's totally normal too. Yeah. I think by coming on here, like it felt really good to kind of talk about everything at once. And I think it was a lot more based in like, just telling my story rather than talking about how I feel about it. But I think maybe that can be helpful to someone else who's still trying to process their situation. And just the first step is talking about it. And then Mm -hmm. even me, like I'll be able to kind of look back on this and sort of digest how I'm feeling about it. Yeah. Um, Hopefully if someone else, I mean, hopefully no one else is going through something similar, but if they are and you want to start healing or processing it, like there's no right way to do it. Like Mm -hmm. you jump right into therapy, you can tell a friend, you can just write everything down and then figure it out five months later, two years later, if that's the way that you want to do it. But Um, I think just taking things like at your own pace and doing things on your own timeline is like the best way that you can do it. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you all have a great week ahead and remember to rate, comment, or review Swiping Sunday so that I can make sure next episode is even better. Bye guys.